Shalom from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to Conversations with Yael Podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each month, I will invite leading thought leaders, pastors, rabbis, and other influential guests to discuss the importance of Israel in the world today. For those familiar with my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, which explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, this podcast takes that understanding and translates it into ongoing support for Israel among Christians and the critical need to nurture that support with the next generation of Christians. Join me now as we begin this important dialogue. Irina Kozlova describes herself today as a happy single mother of four happy children, ages 15 to 7. But in 2019, life for this resident of Kiev, Ukraine, became increasingly difficult. First, her mother, who lived with the family and helped care for the children, suffered a brain embolism, severely limiting her physical ability and her speech. Then in 2020, after being hospitalized due to COVID, Irina was diagnosed with breast cancer. With no way to pay for the necessary treatments, Irina's family and friends rallied around her and in what Irina herself calls a real miracle, raised the funds to help pay for her cancer treatments. Her journey took her through very difficult treatments, radiation and surgery, but Irina finally saw the light at the end of the tunnel. She was almost at the end of more than one year of treatments. And then on February 24th, 2022, the very morning she was to receive the 15th of 18 injections, Irina heard the roar of bombs exploding in Kiev. The Russian invasion of her beloved country had begun. As Irina said of that time, life was turned upside down for millions of Ukrainians, including her own family. And in the weeks and months following that fateful day, Irina and her family embarked on a harrowing yet miraculous journey that eventually led them to a new life in Israel. Thankfully, for families like Irina's, the fellowship was uniquely positioned to respond immediately at the outbreak of war to help Ukrainian Jews escape and start a new life in their biblical homeland, Israel. In fact, Irina and her children were on one of the first rescue flights when the Moldovan airspace was closed, and only the fellowship rescue flights were allowed to take off. Today, I have the extreme honor of welcoming Irina Kozlova to our podcast to share with us her heartbreaking yet incredible story. So Irina, welcome to the podcast. Hello, everybody. Yael, thank you for inviting me for this meeting. I'm so happy that you're with us and I'm so happy that you're joining us from Israel, <laughs> a place of safety and home and I see your smiling face. Yes, yes, I see your smiling face, and it's such a wonderful, wonderful way to, to get started. Um, so, Irina, I want to take, go back. Let's, I want you to take us back to that day, February 24th, 2022. What were you thinking when you first heard the explosions, and did you, like many Ukrainians, believe that Russia would actually invade your country? Uh, for sure, every Ukrainian remember this day. And uh, I should be honest that as uh, most of Ukrainians, I didn't believe that war could happen. 
uh, I couldn't believe that uh, Russia could invade Ukraine. And even uh, two days before, I had a meeting with my friends discussing new business opportunities. And I remember that I said that we took um, into account just everything but war. And uh, I should be honest, it was like a joke from my mouth. Uh, nobody could uh, imagine that it could happen. We didn't prepare ourselves for this and uh, it looked unreal uh, to happen in 21st, uh, 21st century. So I, I would say that uh, people didn't believe and didn't prepare themselves for this. But frankly speaking, you can be prepared for a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like you said, we're always trying to have control in life, a plan for every what if scenario. And then suddenly something like this happens and you just can't believe that it's the new reality that it's one year later, over a year later, and it's somehow become a new norm that people are living with. But it was definitely new then and everything was unknown then. And you weren't even at home when the bombs started falling. Take us through that journey to reunite with your family. How did you get home? What was it like for your children? How were you able to comfort them and be there for them? Because as a mother myself of four children, I can't even imagine those first few hours. Uh, the most uh, terrible uh, happened with me that at the moment when the war started, I was far from my children. Uh, two smallest one uh, were in a private house where we lived, not far from Kiev, about 25 kilometers, and we stood with my mother. And uh, normally I didn't left them for a long period because of uh, uh, my mother health issues. Uh, but that day, on 24th of uh, February, I had to make my next uh, cancer injection, chemotherapy. So uh, I was in Kyiv and uh, the day before we were started, uh, I gave my son to the oldest one to his father to care about his son and uh, his logistic to school. And uh, you should understand that uh, uh, ex-husband uh, lives in uh, Irpin, and now the whole world knows Bucha and Irpin. Uh, so, uh, and I was, so my son was in Irpin, I was in Kiev, and my oldest daughter also was in Kiev, in uh, campus uh, at school. So early in the morning, then uh, I realized that uh, with the first bombing, I realized that we were started. Uh, I just managed to give a call to my mother, uh, not um, to inject a panic. Uh, I didn't tell her about this. I just could say that uh, don't let uh, children go to school. Please stay home. I will be as soon as possible. Because she also said to me that she heard some um, um, shooting, uh, bombing, and she didn't understood what's going on. Just please stay at home. Uh, and the next call uh, I didn't manage to do, I received it from my daughter and she said, mom, the war started, uh, what should I do? Uh, it's, uh, she uh, study not so far from uh, apartment uh, I, I stood, uh, but uh, then I, in 15 minutes was in a car, uh, I realized that uh, the city is paralyzed. 
I couldn't reach her by car at all. And the main avenue from uh, the city uh, was fully paralyzed. It was blocked. It was full of car, cars which didn't move at all. It's one way out. And another way back was absolutely free. And uh, I left my car as it was and uh, walked to her school to uh, take her. And I just said, you are taking just documents. This is the only thing we need. And uh, then I took her in two hours, we get to our car and still I realized that we can't go uh, back home. No way, it is blocked. Uh, and I said, uh, okay, today I need to make my hammer therapy and I do it each uh, 25, 21 day. I need to have this uh, time reserve, let's say for myself for the next 21 day. I said, let's choose, uh, let's uh, uh, take this opportunity to make this uh, hemiotherapy today, even in this situation, because we can't move anyway. So, and she agreed to go with me to hospital. Uh, we managed to get where by uh, underground, it uh, still worked in the morning. And uh, it was a terrible picture I saw that hundreds of people uh, were leaving the hospital uh, with all their staff, with children, uh, because the hospital uh, said that it will, will be closed. Uh, they have to be ready to um, to care about uh, our men. So, and uh, I just gave a call to my nurse and said, I, I need this injection today. I have my medicine with me, please do it. She said, for sure, come and do. And uh, normally it takes about uh, six hours for this injection. And I just said to my daughter that we don't have six hours because we don't know what will be the next. Uh, and I took it during uh, two hours, like uh, we speed up it. Uh, I was not in the best shape, uh, but I said, okay, now we have to go back to our car. And we were surprised to learn that the underground was already closed. We couldn't move. And uh, the next picture we saw, it was a thousand of people so one way, one picture, it's a car on the way out and it is absolutely blocked. Uh, cars are not moving. We don't even have a chance to move. And uh, from another side, a thousand of people uh, who are leaving their houses with suitcases and you feel, and as underground is closed, they, uh, tried to go to another station. They didn't know that it is fully closed. We spent additionally through, uh, three hours to get to our car, walking to our car. Uh, we tried to, um, to get money from ATMs, but they were already uh, empty. So uh, it was a feeling that uh, people are in a panic. Yeah. Uh, somebody with a suitcase is somebody trying to get money from the bank. So, but the country is blocked, it is paralyzed. And we spent one hour getting home. 
children were so happy. They didn't know yet that the war started. And then we reached the house. Uh, I just gave a call to my ex-husband because he's uh, uh, an army man in the past, but I realized that uh, uh, he will join the army. And I said, please bring the son to me because tomorrow you will go to army. How can I take uh, him back home? Uh, and the late evening, they managed to reach our house. Wow. Uh, we heard a bombing around uh, because we live uh, not far from the dam as a strategic object. It was attacked by Russians and we heard uh, um, uh, um, air fights, air fights, we, we could hear, hear them. So uh, late evening, I said, please stay with us. First of all, it's our security because at least one man would be with us. And after that, you will decide what you will do. Don't move at night. Uh, and as uh, the whole world knows, the next day there were no reason to go to Irpin because it was already occupied by Russians. So in such a way, uh, I really saved my ex-husband and my son. And we were all together. This was the most important mission to, uh, to uh, together, all family, all children together. So, so you woke up in the morning thinking that you're going to get your last cancer treatment. Your kids have everything set out for them. The son is with his father. The children are with their grandmother. And by the time you get to Kiev, the whole world changed. And it seems like a succession of miracles that came to be in order to get you home, that you'd be able to be reunited with your family, and especially that your husband and your son were not in those key strategic areas and the first yeah were bombed. There must have been so much going through your head. And I can just imagine the strength that you showed. You went and got your cancer treatments. The, the trains were closed. You walk for hours with the one objective of getting your family back together. And then your family was together and you had to decide what you were going to do next. What, you, what were your main concerns at that point? And when did you decide to leave Ukraine? Was that a hard decision? Um, I should be honest that at the very beginning we didn't thought about leaving uh, Ukraine. Uh, I thought at that moment the main concern was uh, to uh, to arrange uh, this uh, living in this situation. Uh, I have had an advantage because we were in the private house uh, and uh, we had everything that we needed. Yeah. Uh, to stay maybe for one month or even for two. Uh, it's not an apartment. <laughs> so, and even then we discussed if we, we can move to back to apartment in Kyiv because Kyiv is more safety, it's protected by the army. Uh, I still uh, was sure to stay in, uh, in, a, in a building. Uh, I really felt safe there, more safe. Uh, maybe uh, more organized uh, because uh, what we started to do, we checked uh, all food we have. Uh, we 
put uh, stripes on our windows, uh, not uh, in the case of uh, bombing, not to, um, to, to, to meet with glass, yes. So uh, we started to create uh, our castle, let's say, in this case. So, and uh, we checked all uh, generators I had uh, in a building. So I wanted to be ready uh, to, to, uh, to care about children. So, uh, and uh, we didn't have a safety place at home uh, because Ukraine didn't prepare itself for war as it is arranged in Israel, I compare to Israel. Yes, we have some safety rooms. Uh, we didn't have it. Uh, and uh, almost the whole, all night we stood in uh, our house. Uh, we slept in clothes and uh, children knew all steps we have to uh, follow uh, to get down, uh, to go to, um, we had like a small underground place, uh, quite a small, just for four children to, to stand. And we prepared it. And all my neighbors knew that the children are there. Uh, I informed them because in case of bombing, uh, I want to be sure that they will not uh, stay where. Um, so uh, we really tried to to be prepared. Uh, what a terrifying thought to have to tell the neighbors where the children will hide during an attack so that if anything happens, they'll know that they're there. Suddenly, in one second, you started thinking as a war mother of trying to protect them sure. and safety and thinking ahead in order to- No, no chance safe. for, sorry for interrupting you, because there is no chance for panic. Yeah. Uh, you realize that you should be organized, you should explain everything to them, yeah. and uh, they look at you, so they feel uh, and reflect your feelings, so um, if I will feel that I'm afraid of something that I don't know how to behave, right. they will uh, do the same, yeah. so uh, that's why I realized that I have to be strong, uh, I, I have to explain them each step uh, because uh, we created uh, like uh, cards for them with the telephone numbers right. uh, because uh, in case of something, they have to know where to give a call, a who can help plan. them, wow. so who are them? So it's so important. It, the next step was not to lose them. Right. First was to, uh, uh, to gather them yeah. and the next not to lose. and. Um, it was not a difficult decision to decide to leave. The most difficult decision uh, was to find a safety way to go out. Uh, because so once you made the decision to leave, you had to figure out all of the airports were closed. A lot of the uh, trains weren't working. You had to figure out how you were going to get your family outside of Ukraine and to Israel. How did you even start to work that out? So it was vice versa. So uh, I was thinking about how to leave, but uh, to go by train to the border, it wasn't realistic for me because the whole world uh, saw these crowds uh, 
uh, in the railway stations. And uh, my biggest concern was uh, not to lose him in this crowd. For children and mother, even if one would like to go to Thailand, how can I manage all this? I will lose them there. And it was not a way, my way of leaving a country. Another option I had to go by car, but uh, we have a seven seats car. So it was possible technically, but I realized that I'm a woman with four children, with my mother. I'm not in the best shape. And uh, we have a gasoline only on the halfway way. What will be the next in the middle of nowhere? If bombing starts or something, how should I behave? How should I care about my children? And I also realized that this is not my way to go out of the country. So, uh, and uh, at that moment, a uh, few times I saw uh, in, on Facebook an information that the Jewish agency arranges uh, this uh, saving buses, uh, let's say, outside the country. And only maybe then uh, I heard it for third or fourth time, I started to think about it. And, uh, and maybe two weeks later, uh, then uh, each day this, we spent uh, in, uh, in the toilet uh, on the ground floor of our house because it was the most safety place. Uh, I decided that we can't uh, continue on such a way. I have to save my children. And uh, early in the morning, I uh, picked up the phone and started to give the calls to by all these telephones I saw, uh, starting uh, um, trying to understand uh, if this uh, living is realistic for us, if it is really safety for my family because it is big. I checked uh, everything. I asked uh, to what direction we will go, uh, uh, if they can reserve places in a bus for us because I need to uh, get to Kiev. It also will take, in this situation, not a one hour for me. So I can't come and go back. Uh, so uh, I checked everything and it took maybe about three hours and one, I remember, I gave a call and I talked with the lady. Uh, I didn't realize uh, that, uh, I didn't realize where is she? Because she put me question, uh, questions which were so clear uh, for me. And I asked, why are you asking me about uh, uh, the distances uh, to Kiev? Uh, where are you? And she said, I'm in Israel. I was so impressed because the telephone was local. Uh, and I couldn't realize that I speak with Israel, that uh, 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 the people are helping from Israel for us. They arrange everything. And at the moment when I was sure that I can book place, uh, places in a bus, I said, okay, make a reservation. And at that moment, uh, my children saw me, I remember at 11 o'clock, it was quite late. <laughs> I went down uh, and I uh, asked them to listen. And I said, I took a decision. Uh, it can't uh, continue like that. Uh, we have to leave. Uh, I, find, uh, I found a way how to do, and we're going to Israel. Uh, and what I tried to um, 
deliver to them that they should consider it like uh, a trip. Right. Something exciting, something positive. Yes, something exciting. Not something scary, but something that this is giving them a new opportunity. Yes, because uh, I said, uh, they even started to joke, Mom, you promised us to bring, uh, uh, to bring us all to Israel, but you couldn't find a way how to bring us all together because <laughs> to a small, to a large, they have different right. interests and right. you couldn't find a way. And now, Finally, this brought you all together. So this this quickened your plans to come to yes. Israel. So and it looked like they really decided that it's something excited, yeah. uh, exciting. So uh, and I really was lucky that uh, they uh, considered it in such a way. Uh, and uh, the same uh, day, uh, I received a call back from the Jewish agency, and they said that the next morning we can leave. Uh, it was in the evening. I said, okay, everybody goes to sleep. I have few hours without electricity, but, but with the light right. to, to uh, get all documents we need uh, to be prepared. So maybe I really lucky that I had few hours to collect everything. I had this night yeah. because I also uh, applied to legal advisors how to arrange uh, um, this permission to receive a citizenship because uh, the notaries didn't work at that time. And we were lucky that ex-husband was with us and uh, in, early in the morning he signed uh, uh, all documents needed and we had the old package to leave. So uh, we wow. get in the car closed, locked the door of our house and left. This is how it happened. So as soon as I found a safety way, I decided to leave. So you got on this bus that was arranged by people in Israel and you got to Moldova. In Moldova, you found that the airport was closed, the country was shut down, and there was one Aliyah flight that was coming to get you of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews of Karen Okay, tell us it. I didn't know that the air is, is closed. I didn't know this because uh, then uh, I gave it was a, a surprise to you. And this surprise was evening before the flight. Wow. Because uh, uh, then we decided to leave. I asked uh, what direction the agency will uh, bring us because there were options to Hungary, to Moldova, Poland, to right. Poland. And then they gave a call to me. They said, uh, tomorrow will be a bus to Moldova. I said, the only thing I need to check if there are flights from Moldova to right. Israel. Right. And uh, I gave to call to everybody and somebody confirmed me, yes, there is a flight. I said, okay, now we will go. And uh, already in Moldova, uh, so where they're hosted so, uh, so people there so friendly, so helpful, trying to help us, uh, to feed us. Uh, and uh, even before the flight, um, they uh, tried to, to arrange uh, these uh, directions for each family who wants to move where. Right. So we had a choice. 
And I remember uh, it was very important for me because we were, we arrived early in the morning at six, at six o'clock. After us, already few buses came with hundreds of people and uh, people who are organized everything. They said, we will call names and you will come. Don't worry, we will serve everybody. Right. And by surprise, we were the last in the list uh, they called because already there were nobody in the evening uh, there. And I said, uh, I need help. Uh, I urgently need in few days to have the next uh, hemotherapy uh, because I, ha I, I have a cancer treatment. And I was so impressed that it looked like something uh, incredible happened. They started to give a call. Uh, and they said, calm down, we will arrange everything. Uh, in a few minutes, they said, tomorrow you have a meeting with the council. Wow. And I knew that it's impossible because people were waiting for one, two weeks of this meeting. They said, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, you go to council. I was, I was really shocked. Uh, so they arranged everything because at that moment, uh, I'm really very well organized person, but even at that moment, I couldn't care about all these issues. It was impossible. And uh, they brought us to the hotel. Uh, they fed uh, children. Uh, we had everything we needed. And the next morning, I've already, I was already uh, uh, in, in the embassy of uh, Israel. And I remember that meeting then uh, the council said, um, the rules change. Uh, we do not uh, give uh, already immigration visa. Uh, we have like a um, quick procedure, something like this. You go to Israel and after that, uh, you confirm your right uh, to receive the citizenship. But he said, I would like uh, to make a favor for you. I know your story. Uh, give me a few minutes. And uh, he then somewhere came and said, I agreed for you this uh, immigration visa because you don't realize now, but you need it because only from the moment you, even from the moment you enter the Israel, you will become a citizen and you will receive an insurance and it will give you a chance to continue your... Uh, to, to continue your procedures uh, uh, and treatment. So Irina, I see that you're getting emotional and it really is something that's incredible. So I'm gonna take a second to just explain to our listeners what was happening at this point. There were thousands of Jewish refugees who were unexpectedly in a day leaving Ukraine and trying to make it to Israel. Israel has a system of vetting every new immigrant, just like every other country does. And in general, before the war, if you wanted to make Aliyah, if you wanted to move to Israel, you'd have to not only go to the consulate, but provide lots of documents. It would be a few weeks at least, sometimes a few months, of a process of getting approval 
for Aliyah. Now, when the war broke out, the Israel realized that they didn't have the luxury of time to be able to do that deep vetting of every individual. And so they came up with a new system immediately in order to bring the Jewish people home, the refugees to Israel. And they allowed people to come to Israel and to start the process of getting citizenship once they were in the country, instead of needing to wait to get citizenship before they could come to the country. And I think the reason, Irina, why I see the tears in your eyes and I hear the, the you're, you're so strong that to hear your voice cracking and to see the emotion just represents, for me, what the land of Israel for the Jewish people means, that they heard out of all these tens of thousands of people, ref Jewish refugees who crossed over the Ukraine border who wanted to come to Israel, Israel saw that Irina had cancer, she needed her treatments, and instead of saying go to Israel and start to get your citizenship there, within a few minutes she was approved for citizenship, which means as soon as she landed in Israel, she had insurance, health insurance, that she could continue her treatments in Israel, which is a big thing, and I'm assuming that it felt very welcoming for you, that you were wanted in this country, that you were accepted in this country, that not only did the Jewish agency help evacuate you from your home to Moldova, not only did the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews bring you from Moldova to Israel, but the country of Israel was welcoming you home. Tell us what it was like arriving in Israel. What were the feelings running through you as you got off the plane? Um, uh, the most important feeling that you feel safety yeah. and you feel welcomed. This is very important. So, uh, because uh, we couldn't realize everything that happened to us. Because in my case, it happened from the moment I took a decision till the moment I landed Israel, it took five days. If I tell the story to somebody, it's something incredible. So uh, for sure, it was very emotional, emotional for the whole family. But uh, the question was that, yes, we landed, but it was a beginning of something uh, new for us. It's yeah. a new challenge, let's say. And again, Israel was so uh, welcoming us. Uh, they gave us an opportunity to stay for one month in a hotel uh to like to calm down to understand what's going on and uh to realize what the next step we should do in this country so uh in reality we're very grateful uh, very grateful to the country for this help and by the way we uh, got this flight to israel uh with a fellowship fund uh this, is, this was the first time when I heard about the fund in Moldova uh, because uh, the next step when I received these stamps in, my, in, in, in our passports, let's say, uh, I said, go uh, to the fellowship, uh, we will help you to get to Israel. So this is, was like, yes, uh, our first meeting with the fund. Amazing. And, uh, thanks to you, uh, we reached Israel. One year later now, Irina, tell us about where your family's at, how has life changed for you, and how has the fellowship continued to support and be there for you and your family? Um, 
we during this year I tried to stabilize, let's say, the uh, all activity of my family. So and uh, I guess we did a lot uh, because uh, children feel comfortable uh, at schools. They study. They learn Hebrew. Uh, they pass the steps of integration, and I feel that they feel more and more comfortable. And this is most important for me. Uh, from another side, I finalized my cancer treatment, and it was uh, the core target. Then I took a decision to leave because it's the safety of my children and opportunity to finalize this treatment. Yeah. Uh, so I did this and now I just uh, uh, caring about uh, like physiotherapy to support my health yeah. so uh, and uh, we really have support from uh, the fellowship fund uh, it is financial financial from one side uh, they helped us also with the furniture uh, for children to sleep uh, for example, some some other uh, uh, things, but in general, uh, I feel and see a strong support uh, on the level of lectures. Let's say, because they try to find, uh, they try to give us instruments how to integrate to the society uh, from the different type of uh, spheres in financial sector, in how to cooperate with uh, insurance policies, uh, how to arrange a business in Israel, in different spheres. And I guess it's uh, very important for people who are new in this country, they don't know the rules at all, they do not know language, and uh, it is very helpful to realize where you are and how you can move forward. And this uh, year passed, and now I, I, I feel that I have the power to go forward. How amazing, right? It's those things that you don't necessarily think about that when you in one week went from living in Ukraine and having your life planned out to suddenly living in Israel, you have to learn the language, understand the culture, understand the insurance, sign up your kids for school. There's so many practical moves that yes. are very hard to navigate in a new country with a new language under any situation, let alone as a refugee of war. Do you ever think about, Irina, what your life would be like if you were still in Ukraine? Uh, I didn't think about this and uh, wouldn't like to think because I'm sure that uh, Ukraine will win. Uh, I don't say that I'm thinking now that, uh, about coming back now, but uh, I said to all my children that our main target to integrate to the society here, because once we would like to decide, uh, we shouldn't start from the zero. And this is most important. Uh, we should uh, decide uh, having something here, having experience already here. And uh, I do not uh, exclude any options. Now in my life, I do not exclude any options, believe me, because then uh, I faced the cancer. I thought that this is the worst thing which could happen with me. But I even couldn't imagine that in a year uh, I could uh, face who war and have to just lock my house and leave the country. 
So it's a absolutely, it's a bloody experience, but it's a new experience which shows me and to my children that uh, everything could happen in, in, in this life. And we just be strong and we have to be ready without any panic. We know you are one of the strongest, most wise people I've ever met. And we all just wish you so much success in everything that will come. You are so dedicated to your family, have such vision and planning and strength and practical wisdom that I thank you for sharing it with us today. As a last question, what message would you like our listeners to know about the situation and the people of Ukraine? And how do you think they can best help and support the people of Ukraine in the days ahead? Uh, the main message uh, is that the war continues. It didn't stop. Yeah. And we do not see the end of it. Unfortunately, I understand, I realized that the whole world tied to this war. It's impossible to talk about it each day. But I would like people to uh, remember that it's still going on. And in reality, people in Ukraine need support, uh, not only on the government level, on the political level, and there are another people who will talk about this. Uh, I understand that uh, there are ordinary people who need help, still need help. Uh, they are in a difficult situation in Ukraine, uh, where without electricity, sometimes without food and uh, uh, beverages. So, uh, if it is possible, I would like to ask for help.